Welcome to Why Wonders Why, a companion podcast to Smart Enough to Know Better. This episode is titled Book, book Club, Club Animals. Animals. It's been a long time since we've done a book club. In fact, it's been a long time since we've done any Why Wonders Why. Sorry about that. It's been a weird couple of months, busy, strange, just all over the place. But we are here now, ready to talk all things sci-fi with Dr. Natasha Hurley-Walker. Enjoy. There is a proverb that dogs, a man's best friend, and, and beyond the whole problematic gender thing about that, I also have a problem with it because I think that my best friend on the Book Club podcast is actually Dr. Natasha Hurley-Walker and... So I just realized how dangerous I stepping into dangerous territory. <laughs> I, didn't even. Did you just compare just, me to a dog? I'm, I'm, I, no, <laughs> I, maybe I might have. I oh, this is going so well. Anyway, hello, Natasha. How are you? Hi, Greg. The the archetypal man, I suppose. I'm I'm very confused by this intro, but delighted to I be just here. Nicked, I just nicked my colleague on there. <laughs> <laughs> It's okay, everyone. When when I approached her, I came from only ten and two, and I wore a fun hat. So the, anyway, he said something uh, very so, nice to me first, so I think it's entirely fine. It's entirely reasonable. Just I before point, we hit record, I, I pointed out that that one of her friends is very attractive, and that. that <laughs> well done, Greg. Well done. But I'm happy to chat to her now. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know where this is going. Hello, Doctor <laughs> Natasha. How are you? <laughs> Hi, Greg. I'm great. If you could just dig up. Slightly further, then we can <laughs> we can resume the conversation. That would be fantastic. <laughs> what I'm surprised about this is noise is Dan's territory. I've, I've, I'm taking over Dan's area, and he's not even here. Oh, <laughs> Maybe you need Dan to keep you on a leash. Oh, just bring in the dog puns. I'd... Bring in the dog puns. <laughs> so why we're mentioning dogs a lot in animal is because we're going to be talking a book club, and we're going to be talking about animals in books because it's a really interesting area that many sci-fi authors have gone down. But I'm going to say, I'm just going to put out a, a, a hypothesis at this time, that a lot of them are doing using animals to say the same thing that everyone else says in sci-fi. But I'm happy to check that with the three books we're going to be talking about today. But that's my hypothesis. We'll, we'll come we'll come back at the end and see if I was right. Yeah, I think, I think that happens a lot of the time. I mean, animals just end up being a sort of stand-in for an alien, right? Or an alien is a stand-in for a human. They're, they're all just, mm, mm. just anthropomorphic. They're just like us, but with four feet, four legs. Four, we have, yeah, you know what I mean. Four legs and paws. <laughs> So, like, I guess, yes. like, David Brin's Uplift series is, like, a, mm -hmm. a bit of a classic example of this, where you, like, you uplift dolphins, you uplift chimps, and they're, like, mm. mostly just humans in a different shape. But I, I have with tried a, to... With a funny mask on. Yeah, with a funny mask on. Furry, furry hands. Mm. But I've tried to pick yes. books today that, that kind of depart from that, that are Ooh. quite thought-provoking. And, yeah, animals in sci-fi. These are a bit more interesting. Some of my faves. Before we go on to that, the, the, the books you've written, I, I wanted to bring up, because I can't help myself, I, we always have to bring it up, Blindsight. Of course. And yeah, so we have to bring up the book Blindsight, which we haven't talked about in the podcast, but we've talked on every podcast about it. So here we go. Here we are again. Everyone should read Blindsight. And I was reading it again quite recently, and I picked up on something. I think I was thinking about this animals episode, and it doesn't have animals in it. Mm. There's, there are lots of humans with different, different psychological and different types of humans thinking, basically. That's what it's about and what that means. And of course... Or, Big spoilers for Blindside if you haven't read it. Of course, the aliens don't have a sense of self. Mm -hmm. They're, they're intelligent, but they don't understand us as, as individuals. And they think that individuality is kind of like a sentience is kind of like a, a virus. Yeah. They don't like it. They're, they're, they're very angry about it. But in one point, they, the humans are talking about, well, what are we going to do about this? There's this huge civilization that could come, well, it's doing terrible things. They could wipe us out. Maybe we could hide. Maybe we could, you know, what, what can we do? And one of the characters, I've forgotten who it was, casually says, well, an idea of, well, you know, maybe we can devolve ourselves, but what would that even look like? Mm. And, and that was like a throwaway line of like, maybe we could just hide as not, not sentient creatures. And my brain started thinking, well, tech, I mean, could you say that's animals? Could you say that you could have very smart animals? But then I thought to myself, well, but, 
they do have senses mm, of self. Like I think they do. Yeah, like cats yeah. and dogs and things have senses of self as well. Yeah. I mean, there's that um, famous anyway, experiment, so- right, with the chimps where the chimps that have been raised with humans, when they're given photos mm. of the humans and there's a photo of themselves and photos of random chimps and they're asked to sort the photos, they put themselves in the human pile <laughs> because they, they, that's, that's showing so many things. One, they have a concept of, of self. One, that they, two, that they, they know what they look like and associate that with them, you know, themselves. Like that's actually kind of a psychological jump to map a, a, a picture onto your current state of mind. And then, of course, the mm. third, you know, beautiful thing is that they think, well, uh, I'm not like these rando animals. <laughs> yes. I'm with all my mates that I was raised with. So Yes. Um, yeah, that's yeah. true. Yeah. And even even like in inverted commas, lesser life forms like cats and dogs. I mean, some animals, are, they've shown some animals can do the whole dot test, mm. putting a dot on the animal's face and then showing it a mirror and the animal reaches up and touches its own head mm. or tries to rub off its head because it understands the reflection is, it's, it's it. Oh, for sure. It's, for not sure. Like an, it's not another animal. And some animals can do it and some animals can't. And we could argue or have a conversation whether that means sentience or understanding of self, which is, you know, that's all. My fave on that is the dolphins. Have you seen that YouTube video? There's They put a mirror in a dolphin aquarium. So the dolphins can see themselves. And of course, a mirror isn't really something that would happen Mm. normally. And so they, they look at it and then they start doing little dances and they just sort of like play around with the mirror. They kind of sh- sort of, they oh, realize okay. that it's themselves. They kind of waggle one fin and then oh, they waggle right. another fin and then they go, oh uh. my goodness, it's me. And then they do little flips and things. But then the, one of the reasons that I always particularly remember <laughs> this video is because they also show the shot from inside the mirror where you're, you know, you're, you've got air and then you can see through into the aquarium. And they're interviewing oh, yes. one of the scientists and she's been very senior and very, very enthusiastic. And she's, you know, these these animals are exhibiting such behavior. You'd never see this in the wild, like really, really fascinating stuff. One of the dolphins comes in and just thumps its head against <laughs> against the mirror. like, oh. And there's a clip where someone's taken just that moment and like put the best sound effect ever, which is a real like, dung. And then the dolphin kind of goes, Ah! <laughs> just starts yelling while she's appearing very serious. It's like the funniest clip. Put it in the show notes. My kids will go nuts for it. If I put this on, my kids will just watch it for a whole hour. They call it a dolphin bonk video. Oh my god! Anyway, t- totally derailed. Sorry, but no, no, it's fine. That makes sense. Well, I mean, that's they're very much people, and I know, like, it's, I know animal researchers have to be really careful when they say, "Well, we we don't know that cats and dogs and your pets actually, even though they are alive, or the, you know, they're, they're just machines that follow, you know, sensory uh, points." And you're like, "You're so a human, so calm mm. down." And and you just go, "No, I, I think it's really dumb to say that they don't have a level of sentience or a level of self, mm. or it's it's not just if you want to break everything down as biological machines, sure, why not." But I think it's missing something. It's, it's something more complicated going on. To yeah, I, I mean, um, this is oversimplifying by a tremendous degree, but I like to analogize human consciousness as like an iceberg. So like there's mm. there's the iceberg and it's moving through the water for all sorts of reasons, which are to do with the environment, with the water, eddies mm-hmm. and currents and upwellings and, and downdrafts and changes in temperature and wind and all these things. And everything below the water is your subconscious and your consciousness Mm. is at the top. And it's like, I'm going Mm. over here now because I have something important to do. And Mm. meanwhile, like, no, you didn't really make that decision. You were going to do that anyway. Yeah, You're just sort of justifying it. And a lot of why you do things is dictated by your environment. Now, yeah, sure. Write in. Tell me I'm wrong. I'm a physicist, not a psychologist. But, <laughs> exactly. Um, I, I'm, I'm not even that. So I, I, I agree. And I, but I find that weird because sometimes there's, we're going well off topic, but that's what we do. But it's, I find it funny because I've read a lot of articles about, you know, you, you don't make the choices you make because they showed that actually when you make a choice that neurons were firing before that happened, that when you made the choice, mm. that there's no such thing as free will. And I went, that's a, Big jump. I mean, I could, we could go down a free will conversation and happy to have it, but I went, no, that's because I felt you've made a, a fundamental error, everyone else. Um, <laughs> all psychologists. All <laughs> psychologists. What do you know? Yeah, so p- people who wrote this article, maybe, but mm. I was just like, I, you, you're, you're, you're saying that you're the conscious part of you. I'm saying, no, no, I'm all the full you. Gregoire. Sure. And that's fine. So yes, I did make a decision. It was my subconscious bit. Mm. The, the weird man who thinks he lives behind my eyes, 
no, I understand that's a thing. That's a different thing. Yeah. But I am more than that. That's like, I, I, I don't understand why you go, well, someone else made the decision. No, it didn't. That was me. It's literally the, the meat in my head and electricity did its thing. Yeah. Like, that's me. Yeah. So I don't understand why they say, well, you didn't do it. Well, yeah, I did. I think it's the it's the thing. <laughs> I didn't. I also I also didn't make the poop in my bowels. You know, like, well, a lot yes, of bacteria contributed to that actually. So then and, there's and a, a whole other conversation about how much is you and how much is bacteria. <laughs> actually, that kind of segues onto a book that I'm reading at the moment, which has nothing to do with the books of the podcast. But I can briefly mention oh, okay. it. I, I am really enjoying. I thought you might it. do the best segue I ever. Know, no, second best segue into another into a book. At least, at least the listeners don't. They haven't. If they haven't left yet, oh. they might get to hear about a book an animal in the title oh fantastic good <laughs> save podcast saved yeah just at the moment i'm reading the rise and fall of dodo or dodo as it looks like when you when you write it out and yeah one of the authors is neil stevenson and it's you know i neil stevenson a long time reader he's 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 great needs an editor mm. honestly at the moment getting quite baggy <laughs> but still good fun and this one involves time travel and which is lovely. I love a time travel story. I'm just, a, mm. you know, absolute mm. sucker for them. So you just got me thinking. So when they, when the people in the book time travel, they appear naked and all their fillings are left behind. And any like, mm-hmm. like if they've got like a, a, a prosthetic leg or anything like that, that gets left behind. And you've just made me think, hang on a minute. What about all their gut bacteria? Mm. Like, where does you draw the line? And I'm really mm. glad that this hasn't happened yet and hopefully won't because the book is quite whimsical. But what if you were pregnant? Oh, anyway. <laughs> so uh, I actually quite recommend it at the moment. It's it's quite entertaining. However, Neil Stevenson can't write endings. And I'm on like the last, like the 90, 90% through it. So um, I I just had an idea then if you did time travel, if that was the rule, like your time travel and the baby was left behind. Yeah, I mean, they did it in the long earth, right? Ish. Yes, yes. That's, but if, but if you, but if you think about time travel, like everyone thinks of time travel as well. The t- like, I mean, we're now mm. in twenty twenty three, and you and you jump back in time. But this idea that the, the time is still moving forward in twenty twenty three, like it is in the sixteenth century, we jump back to. You go, well, no, because mm. it's if you think well, depending on your rules of time, exactly. makes some rules but, up. Makes some rules up. But you could just go, okay, well, I get back there, and you go, oh my goodness, I'm not pregnant anymore. It's in the future. So I'm just going to make sure oh, I go back to the same spot just to the right and the moment. same and, 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 and jump in the time and in the location so that the baby's like, oh. everything's fine, which it'd be very not I fine. Have, I've, I've uh, wondered about similar things like with the Star Trek teleporter. Like if you need, you know, because mm. I had orthodontics when I was a kid, awful, awful experience. And my daydream would be that I could go in the transporter and then they could transport me out again with like fixed mm. teeth. <laughs> Like with the, just that all rearranged, please, because then it's just yes. done, and I wouldn't have to go through like three more years of braces. Yeah. Well, they kind of not not with orthodontics, but I mean, spoilers for the Picard, the third season. Oh, Picard. I've only seen the first season. Have you? Oh, I will. I will show. Uh, up then. I won't talk about the transporter. Them. Just fix everything as it probably no, should they, have they been use, able to for many seasons. No, they they use yeah basically yes they they use it as a at the end a big problem happens where a lot of people have something in them that they didn't know they had in them. And the way they fix it by the end is by going, well, we have your transporter buffer pattern. And so we just negate that thing that mm. was in you. So we, when you transport you away, we just don't have that anymore. It just gets turned back into energy and it's fine. And I went, oh, well, if you can do that, then all diseases are solved and everything is fixed. I, like I, if, you yeah, can, I, you can just, if you can just edit the pattern, then you're like, okay, well. Yeah, I feel like they hmm. did inconsistently use this as a solution across many different Star Trek episodes, but hmm. not definitely not consistently, like yes. by any it's almost, stretch. It's almost like it's made up. Yeah, by different like people there's actually no rules. 50 years. Yeah, weird that. Weird <laughs> anyway, that. what are we talking what about? We're talking about animals, about? We? We're talking about animals, about animals, this. animals. Okay. <laughs> Cool. All right. Well, shall I kick things off with my first book? Please. All right. So this is a book uh, I read uh, about a month ago. Um, it's brilliant. I picked it up through my ebook reader. It can connect to the library. And often when you place an ebook hold, you have to wait and then that takes time. And I, I was in the mood for reading a book at the moment. So I went through and you can kind of search what's available now. And I just I didn't do any filters. So I wasn't looking for a science fiction book, particularly. I know, I could have picked up anything. And I saw this Australian book called The Animals in That Country by Laura Jean McKay. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. You know, that's quite a, it's kind of like a provocative title. It's It sounds like you're 
you're saying something negative about people, or、mm. or you're dismissing、mm. people, or yeah, you know, I just thought maybe this、oh. is going to be like an interesting exploration of a colonization, maybe, or of, of of like humans coming into conflict with nature, or or something. I don't know. I'd just click on the book, and thank goodness I did because I didn't know at the time, but it was the winner of the Arthur C. Clarke Award in 2021. I did not know this, and it's been shortlisted for a whole bunch of other prizes,、oh, wow. um, okay. uh, including like the Miles Franklin Award and things like that. And it's written by an Australian. I think this is her debut. Her name is Laura Jean McKay, and it's it was first published. Right, I love this. Thirty first of March, twenty twenty. A great time,、mm. great time,、mm-hmm. really, really awesome time. time and what people have a lot of time to read, which is nice. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I'm kind of glad I didn't pick it up at that point, though. Because it concerns a global pandemic, where no, yeah, I know、no. she wrote this in 2019, <laughs> not knowing obviously, and、oh, no. most incredibly, right? It, it is all to do with animals, so this is why I'm bringing it to the book book club. But basically, the virus that sweeps the world forces people to be able to understand the language of animals, so they can suddenly understand what. Animals are saying, and it's not in the kind of classic sci-fi. Oh, you can hear the voice. Oh, it's like a dragon.、Mm. Oh, everything is how cool! Like、mm. they're just a human with scales, or like a human with paws. Oh,、right. dear God, no! It is nothing like that. So instead of voices, it's like you can understand their body language and their calls and the 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 smells, right? All the hormones and pheromones and things that they're giving off. And、so right, the yeah, the、okay. main character Jean, she works in a zoo. <laughs> oh God! So yeah. she's oh, no, oh, she's、yeah. also like、oh. totally not your typical main character. That so this was also really refreshing for me. She's an older lady. She's like in her late fifties, early sixties. She's a bit of an alcoholic. She's had a really hard life. Her daughter in law is in charge of the the zoo, and her daughter in law thinks she's a piece of. Rubbish! Like she's she's wasted her life. Her son has gone off and left her daughter-in-law, so she's got this beautiful grandchild、um, who's being raised kind of in in the zoo by her、mm. very busy mother, who's running the zoo, and also her kind of you know herself, her sort of deadbeat grandmother. And you know she's an alcoholic. She's drinking all the time while she's doing the the tour for, for visitors and things. So she's and she's kind of like. You know, really down to earth and quite confrontational in the way that she、mm. goes through life. So it's quite interesting character, like very different from, I don't know, any character that I'd ever read before. Anyway, the pandemic arrives, and so people are able to understand what the animals are saying. And I mean, you'd hope, you'd you'd think, right, that the animals would be saying things like "I'm hungry" or like "I、mm. I would like、mm. to mate with that other animal." But it's just so much more visceral than that, and it's so raw. It's the most beautiful and challenging relationship in the in the book is between Jean and a dingo called Sue,、mm. who's been used in the dingo exhibit for years and is kind of like the one that knows Jean the best. And、mm. the dingo calls her yesterday. Like that's the way that the dingo refers to her. She is yesterday. She's because she's old.、Mm. She's worn out. Oh, she's, she's I, right. She's been judged by this dingo. Yes. But... And the daughter, the the granddaughter,、oh. is tomorrow. She's the future. She's、mm. she's you know looking forward. And everything in the dingo, basically, the Sue can can tell all of the ways in which Jean's life has gone wrong. That she is disrespected by people around her. That she has succumbed to alcoholism. As a, a means of coping, and is just completely and utterly like I do not have time for your bullshit. It's just, it's just not. I'm not interested. And so there's this, there's this kind of being judged by a dingo. Judged by a dingo、oh. Yeah, but but、yep. it's also accurate, right? You know, so Jean, you know, Jean gets this this kind of character development where she has to kind of break out of her. Kind of tired track of sort of sp- slowly spiraling towards just death and, and retirement,、mm. but in the middle of this pandemic, while everyone around her is losing their shit, because once、yeah. animals start talking, or at least from our point of view, we can start understanding them. People interpret this in wildly different ways, and of course, everybody is also running maybe a forty-two degree fever <laughs> through most oh, oh, of the book.、Right, okay. well, Everyone's so very sick.、Okay. Yes. So, so it's not just control. Listen to animals.、Yeah. It's also. Everyone's quite unwell, so yeah. Right, so、okay. it starts yeah. off like, oh yeah, you know, okay. Well, I can I can understand what the animals are saying, but if I just like 
really don't try not to listen to them and I just put some stuff in my ears and I and I smell some like strong lavender or something I can kind of ignore this and the fact that all the animals especially the mice when you imagine you've got to feed mice to snakes now imagine you can mm-hmm. hear what the mice are saying about this yes. and they're yeah, things yeah, yeah, like yes. yep. you know container cold where am I I miss my daughter you know things like that yes. where am I going oh. now oh it's big yes. it's big it's cold it's big Oh no! And just constantly yes. being surrounded by these tiny voices. And are they? Yeah. Can I ask a question mm. though? Just with the dingo thing. Yeah. Is it that that sounds like a lot of cognitive ability that dingo has? That sounds almost like a, like if it's judging and no, that because sort of stuff. it's a social it's, animal. All right? the animals. So so oh, that's okay, the thing. Right. These animals are written as if they really are animals, and that's what gives me sort of shivers when I read the book because the dingo is part of a pack or, you know, it's got its pack there in the zoo, but it would have been part of another pack before it got moved to the zoo. So it's extremely attenuated to social position and whether you're performing your role as expected in the pack. And she's it's matriarchal, or at least as written in the book, I'm not a dingo expert. So she is... Her judgment is is not just you know in like a human social way, but almost like a like a visceral, like you really have failed this, you have really screwed up. Because of course the the mo- the moment that kind of kicks off the adventure is that her her son, her deadbeat son, comes to the park and abducts her granddaughter, because right. he's got this idea in his head that he wants to go and see what the whales have to say. Right down, so they're up in Brisbane. They're going to go down to mm. like the southeast or something and 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 see the whales migrating and listen to the whales which mm. leads to one of the most devastating and upsetting and incredible bits of literature i've ever read when you hear what the whales have to say but you have to read the book <laughs> to find out what the whales say to the people i'm sure it's not so it's not a happy it's thing, not a yeah, happy so. thing this book has a quite a bleak vibe very unnerving mm, mm. and and existential but you really get to care about these characters you know jean she's flawed but aren't we all and mm. we're also blind to what nature is telling us all the time and then suddenly people's eyes and ears are like forcibly open and it's quite devastating can i ask a question then uh, in the book i mean because animals we all i mean we eat animals but animals i mean we are an animal mm. animals eat each other mm. so is is that do they understand was it implied that they understood each other before as well, or no? That they we can understand them; they can understand their own species, but they can't. Like a mouse can't talk to a dingo. Yeah. Or, so or could it? So it's it's again it's this not language; it's body language. It's being able to understand mm. what all of that means. We're very disconnected in Western civilization from from nature, from our food production, mm-hmm. from our ecosystems, yes. from everything, and. In, in a way, this book is a little bit magical realism. It's almost saying, now imagine that you had no choice about being plugged back in and what that mm-hmm. world, that world that we've we've sort of tortured into submission would be saying to you right now. So yes, so yes. a mouse, a mouse <laughs> can always understand the body language of a hawk, right? Mm. A hawk can always understand the body language of a mouse. There's never actually really any miscommunication between them. The hawk wants to eat the mouse and the mouse can tell very clearly that the hawk wants to eat it. Yes. We don't we've we we don't hear that body language when we've and and so yes. there's just yes. this it's more about a reconnection and I think that's why it hits home, home so hard because in, it, although it's science fiction and the book the words are written out on the page in italics as if the animals are saying things they're all surprisingly realistic things that animals would be saying and the way the humans react would be as if you were suddenly plugged into communication with a world yes. that you have been torturing yes. for the last yes. few thousand years. And it is yes, telling yes, you exactly. very, very firmly what it thinks of you. So people don't react super well. By the end of the book, you know, when society is really falling apart, I mean, mild spoilers, but it's a pandemic. This would happen anyway. Supply chains are, are falling apart. You know, people are sick. They can't do their jobs. Fuel's running out, that kind of thing. You, You sort of getting this feeling that like we we almost had to make that choice in order to create that world we had to ignore the voices and it's it's more about we're now becoming clued back in to those voices mm. i won't spoil the ending as to you know whether we continue to listen what what happens next but it is it's just a brilliant read and yeah quite dark 
But yes. none of this, I mean, I did t- briefly consider bringing a book about, you know, telepathic cats or dragons or something. <laughs> I thought about that. But then I read this book, just, you know, randomly picked it off the shelf and was like, oh, yes. my God, this is what fantastic. Lots of people should read this. Like, please, please do. And it's quite short as well. Race out there. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> beautiful prose. Just, yeah, love it. Is, is, is there a coda at the end where, like, humanity is getting better or, and everything's getting better and then someone's, like, walking through a field and the wheat just starts going, oh, we haven't even started. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> That'd buddy, be great. buddy. <laughs> the plants could Buddy, hey, hey, where the, where the trees are real angry. <laughs> I mean, so in the book, the it's quite it's quite clever the way they do it because you start off being able to understand mammals, most people, but the mm. first stages of the illness where you start to get the fever, it's mammals. Oh, so you can understand every animal. So I'm assuming I know. So it's no, like, no, no, it's fine. I, didn't, oh, I wasn't clear. Right. You start off oh, with the mammals right. and as the fever and the disease progresses, disease, whatever, it starts to be like lizards and birds as well. And people go completely spare once they start understanding what the insects are saying. Because Mm. there's just so many tiny voices all the time and their thoughts are so very different to our own. I think there's a very disturbing scene where the daughter-in-law suddenly realises that she can understand the crocodile. Or at least she thinks she can understand the crocodile. Is the crocodile telling her the truth? She really shouldn't go into the enclosure to find out. No, <laughs> no, no, no. She's running no. a fever. So anyway, oh no, yeah. so <gasps> oh dear. There's, there's some. It's, 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 it's an intimidating book. Nothing. There's That's nothing like. I think it's psychological. The, the, the mm. tension in, in it. Nothing yes. is. There's some really horrible scenes where things are spelled out really gr- grossly or anything. But you're sort of. You get the feeling that you're running a fever at the same time. You know, you get that. It's kind of contagious. The 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 excitement while you're reading it and the descriptions of what's happening are sort of hallucinatory because everybody's a bit of an unreliable narrator at this point. Mm. So yeah, and they're also sick as heck sick. as well. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> and it's the end of and it's the end of the world kind of well, end of civilization oh. at the very least. Oh. Or, well, that's amazing. And so sorry, the name of it again. I've, I've, the animals I've in that country. By Laura Jean Animals McKay. In that country. Yeah. I love the fact that it's, it's a it's a female author and it's also an Australian author. That's oh, levels of excitement yeah. there. So everyone should race race out and buy that one and support them a lot. It's won a lot of awards. Why are you reading it yeah, now? Absolutely, get on That's it. it. <laughs> and what have you brought, Gregoire? I have brought. Look, I, I haven't gone too deep. I've, I've gone to a well of, of of someone I enjoy reading. We talked about before, Adrian Tchaikovsky. Oh, yeah. uh, Children of Time, the Spider One, and I'm not talking about Spider Wonder though. That would work. That would actually be fine. I think we could bring that just in, but I didn't bring that one in. Just do the whole, <laughs> the whole thing. But I'm bringing one called Dogs of War, and Dogs of War is Agent Tchaikovsky, and it's about. It is much closer to the thing that you said you didn't want to bring. Uh, <laughs> Tell about the cat. I, I brought that for you. Oh, great. Uh, so. This is uh, set in the future, as in the near future, and it's about a bioform, so bioformed animals, mm-hmm. and his name is Rex, and he's a dog-like bioform. So they've taken a dog, they've mixed in human DNA, they've given it psychological programming and cybernetics and weapon systems, mm-hmm. and it's a war machine, basically. And this is not new. It's not the first one. that There are packs of these things, and they're, they're, that's kind of where the story starts going, which I'll get into a bit later on. But he's the first, he's the leader of the first multi-bioform squad. X is a, is a dog bioform and there's dragon is a, it's like a reptile and there's bees, which is, you know, bees. It's a, <laughs> it's bees. It, it's a hive, but it's a hive mind. Yeah, cool. in and there's a cat as well. So like, and, and there's in it, and they point out that no matter how much cyberware or in programming and genetic engineering you do to a cat, it's still a cat. <laughs> and so best of luck trying to make it join a squad. Uh, so why do they big do problem. this then? If they know that it's because so, it's well, they want to use it for what all property. Everyone has different properties and different systems and different abilities. So the cat is much better at slinking around and hiding and ambush predating than the dog is or the reptile is, and you know the dragon or the bees. They all have different sort of roles in this army, so mm. they sort of take on these different roles. And it's really about Rex wanting to be a good boy, like being the he's a good boy. He's programmed to be a good boy, and he wants to do what the master says. And but Rex starts going, well, actually, is this good? This seems bad. And you know, going into these countries and and wiping out 
bad people. And you're like, well, are you? Like, mm. are they, are they bad? And Rex can't try. I mean, everyone's terrified of Rex because he's a monster. He's, he's not like a fun looking dog. He's like a werewolf looking horrible thing. And he can't work out why everyone hates mm-hmm. him. And, and when he's like, no, no, I'm on your side. And he's, you know, and he can speak, but not proper sentences and all the rest. And it's, if that's what it was all about, that would be enough for me. That's, that seems like a fun TV show kind of story. But it comes down to more about the ethics of this, of what what is the ethics of raising up something and and making it, is it human? Should you treat it as a human being? Is it a human being? Does that, even if it's not a human being, should you discount, mm. you know, you, you've made this thing? And it's from different points of view as well. So it's not just the animals and the, the, the bioform. There's also from like lawyers and doctors, because it turns into, well, these animals are being used to commit war crimes, spoilers, mm-hmm. but and and so it's like, well, we have to kill them and destroy them. And people are like, well, no, they're just following orders. They're just soldiers. They're animals, but are they? And then we should be hunting down the people who are doing the bad things. So it's kind of like, well, it's you see yeah, from lots of different points sure. of views of, of of the of the in this government. So it's not just about shooty shooty bang bang. There is a lot of shooty shooty <laughs> bang bang in it, and animals animals like ripping people apart and all mm. the rest. Yes, yes. So the, it's all the ethics of uh, like using these things and the good and bad parts. It's not just like this is all bad. Mm. So Adrian Tchaikovsky is really good at sort of saying, "Here's a thing. Here's where it could go. Is it good? Is it bad? Is it, it you know, if you gave a dog a gun and the ability to kill someone, mm. is that is that good or bad? And you go well." spoilers but it's not it's neither it's <laughs> yeah it's what it's what you do with it it's 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 how you choose to use this thing this weapon yeah and and is it a, now is it a weapon mm. does it get to make decisions does it you know at what point is it no longer just a gun is it like a creature that if it doesn't want to do mm. it should you make it do it yeah slavery sure. slavery and also kind of i guess there's since you mentioned the cybernetics there's certainly a parallel with like drones and autonomous yes and then that's being developed now and they've got ai in there in, mm. in two now and there's also ai in there so this discussion of maybe we should just use ai and ai is like maybe you shouldn't yeah uh, you know like is that different it it had parallels in a weird way to me with a sound strange but blade runner oh, the yeah. hide of replicants yeah, sure. of, of like hey we made these things these it's these replicants that machines. go and do stuff yeah Yes, or you're even like mining machines sure. or, or like pleasure, pleasure uh, models, yeah. blah, blah, blah. But they, are they people? Yeah. And, and when they go, I don't want to do this anymore. I want to come home. Is that okay? Mm. And, and then, and especially in the new ones, I, I, in the new Blade Runner, the, or the newish one, the, in that, there was also then, they had digital, a digital girlfriend in that. Mm. And, and, and so the digital girlfriend was programmed to, you know, it's like an AI thing, but then you start going, is it? sentient yeah it seems really scared that someone's about to stand on its on its programming chip and he's really upset that it, she gets killed but well killed even sure, i use sure, a term sure. but she she gets destroyed at one point in the movie. spoilers that movie too <laughs> but and and in her last moments she's showing terror like that she's about to get crushed underfoot and and you're like but is she a program mm. is that real is that Anyway, no, same absolutely, thing absolutely. Things, no, that's a, so that's interesting. So the there's there's human DNA in there, but the psychology of each animal or bees yes, is yes. So, well, how do you how do you tell bees what to do? Well, that's well, yes. A lot of them are they're, they're programmed to sort of do certain things. There's a lot of psychological programming mm. in them, and there's a lot of. I mean, yes, there's a lot of. They're, they're not, unlike the story you just told, they're not, they are very much smarter than they would right, be. Right, right, right. Uh, so they're not, so, so dog is not just, sorry, Rex, Rex is not just a dog level intelligence. Mm. He has dog-like instincts. He's much more of a man in, in a dog suit mm-hmm. than a, but he's not a like, full, like once again, like they, they always draw them as he's like. He's like Bar from Spaceball, like, Spaceballs. Yes. <laughs> he's his own best friend. I, it, Yes, he's it's true. I, I, they, they always. This is this is the, the the thing I've said at the start. It's, it's the and it's not a criticism. It's just a choice. But it's they don't. They want to say, oh well, it's not a dog. It's a. It's got higher intelligence. But they never say it's as smart as a person. Mm. It always feels like maybe you'd say like a child. Maybe they, have, they always have that innocent feel. Oh, to but them. that's always so heartbreaking. I mean, like flowers for Algernon vibes. Like you yes. don't know what's quite yes. happening. Oh, there's, I think, Fearsome Engine as well by Ian M. Banks. Yeah. Yes, yes, oh, yes, 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 yeah. absolutely, Oof. that one. So, so, and and you will, I will say, I made it sound a bit shooty, shooty, bang, bang, and then people talk about ethics. You will be upset by 
the animals and not by not by them but what the animals go through mm-hmm. like they he manages to write them individually each of the bioforms and what they want and and it's very sad when things happen to them because you like oh it, this is not fair it's been written to go this it's not fair that this this creature now has to go through this terrible thing yeah, yeah. and it's especially when it doesn't quite understand why it's been but hang on i'm on i'm the good person mm. i'm the good boy i'm the why do you hate me why is someone trying to kill me mm. and especially rex you know it's a dog yeah i you know it, it it makes me think how incredibly visionary mary shelley was to write frankenstein because mm. you know that that mm. whole idea of where does the ethical responsibility lie when you've created something that itself has sentience i think is kind of mm. fundamentally where like frankenstein and, and and dogs of war is sort of coming from and yeah it's a, it's a difficult question i'm just impressed that it was asked several hundred years ago <laughs> and then yes. and then yeah, and then we're yeah. still asking it now and it just gets ever more relevant with with ai and with drones and yes. figuring out that animals do actually have quite a lot of what we would call sentience and yeah, yeah. we don't like to think of it as, as you said before because you know if we could hear them yeah we, 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 we'd go insane but yes it's that whole thing of how do we but also how we i'm very much a believer in humans are we're not outside of nature we are nature mm. we're, we're we're we evolved to fit here we excuse me we evolved to, to we are we evolved so we are part of the biosphere and so anything we do in my opinion it cannot be considered unnatural mm. it's it, i'm not saying it's great uh, but, <laughs> but you know like you think of like blue green algae can grow across a lake and then wipe it and like there's no oxygen and kill everything in mm. it but no one would say blue green algae is unnatural mm. it's it's not positive for everything else in that lake but it's just doing what it does very very well and if we you know if we move it around i, I guess mean, once, that's, once that's, we create machines right that's where the delineation between natural and unnatural and of course tools are tools are in this awkward spot where we need them we have always relied on tools we would freeze to death instantly if we weren't wearing yes. clothes or burn or uh, and we'd run out yes. of potable water very quickly so we are reliant on our machines and our tools mm. um which of course is where the the crux of it all it all comes in it's, that's that's interesting i will check that out great yeah. that sounds really interesting yes. it's 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 honestly worth reading this it's per, it's one of a series there's dogs of war is the first one of the dogs of war series i haven't read no i've read two i haven't read any beyond that though yet mainly just time and enough books but definitely have a read of dogs of war it's i really liked it it's a bit more if you it has upsetting bits but it's a lot of shooty bang mm. bang as well it, i think it covers it quite well it's not as great i think as children of time i think children of time just floored me mm-hmm. but that doesn't make it bad yeah sure sure, sure. <laughs> i do it just you know you can't if you're expecting children of time lower expectations slightly and enjoy it i think but i think it's worth a read so yes have a read agent tchaikovsky's dogs of war sounds good sounds like one of those books that works I, on two levels as well where you can appreciate the shooty shooty bang bang but then also yes. have deep moral questions afterwards which is yes which is good i like that Ooh, I will. I will say one one last point about kind of a very similar one. Uh, I read before I read Dogs of War. I read a comic many years ago by Grant Morrison called We Three. And uh, yeah, now with the, the, the rabbit is intelligent. The rabbit and the cat and the yeah. dog. And there's a lot of parallels mm-hmm. between We Three and Dogs of War to to the point where I'm like. Oh, I mean, it's not, I don't, I'm not accusing anyone of anything, but I mean, ideas are, are good ideas, but you're like, woof. Yeah. Like even the cat in that is like a murderous cyber cat and the dog is like a, I want to be a good boy, but they were very much animals given weapons strapped to them and, and vague intelligence. These are much more bioengineered. So we've got dogs of war. They're much more bioengineered monsters. Yeah, sure. So there is a difference, but yes, uh, definitely read Grant Morrison's We Three. Yeah, I, and, I do uh, remember reading one, a volume of that a few years back tangent great graphic novels i watched paper girls last year on netflix have you heard of it i, I haven't even heard of well, it. No. exactly so frustrating <laughs> so you know there was a sort of stranger things mania and oh, everyone, yes. oh my yes, God. Yes. exactly i only have to say that i don't have to ask you have you heard of stranger things? no no like, everyone's, everyone's heard of stranger right. things yes yeah so they I, I don't know exactly which production company or how all of this worked but at some point somebody thought hey what else could we do that's set in the 80s and has little kids with a kind of quasi sci-fi vibe to it and they found this excellent graphic novel series called paper girls which has been going for uh, a while i think there's six six volumes and they're bloody brilliant so they adapted it to netflix and they did a 
fantastic job. Uh, it's got uh, Jason Manzukis in it as uh, the, one of the villains. He's he's okay. hilarious, and the the four girls they're just these amazing child actors. Like the acting in Stranger Things is pretty good, but these kids mm. they just live their roles and they are so gorgeous and they're sort of coming of age stories that are being told against a backdrop of time travel and dimensional shift <laughs> and weird alien spacecraft and bioweapons from the future and robots, like giant robots fighting each other. Uh, pterodactyls. It's great. It's, it's, I know. It's, how can, how can it be? In one TV- in a six-part series, it, it, what's, what's it's going incredible. on? So check out Paper Girls on Netflix. So I, I saw the first season. I was like, oh, my God, I'm so in for this. I can't wait till the second. So, oh, shit, it's been cancelled. Because, oh, of, course. of course, timing oh. mistakes were made. It went up against mm. Stranger, Stranger Things Volume 3 or something. And so exactly everybody has that response. What's Paper Girls? I've never heard of it. Despite the fact that yeah. it's so beautiful and the character development is so much more important than in Stranger Things. So you really love these girls. You're like really rooting for them. Anyway, I checked out the graphic novels. They are great. So, just I, I can't really, I, I can't spoil them. Like, you know, it's yes. such a complicated story with so much time travel and everything is impossible to describe. But you, you recommended we three. I would also say go check out Paper Girls. It's lovely. Fantastic. Yeah. Not animal connected. Not animal just connected, a, it's a, just a, okay, right. <laughs> like, hang on. Right. Right. I see, no, I no, that's fine. No, no, that's fine. no. Don't apologize. Uh, and I, I do find it very frustrating that it was season three of Stranger Things because, like many things, I, I mean, yes, I really, I went, oh my goodness, Stranger Things season one is great, and then diminishing returns, mm. unfortunately for me. Yeah. And you, other people's mileage may vary, and that's fine. And people like different things, but each time I watch them, like, oh, oh yeah, cool. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And I was like, oh, it's frustrating that it was a later one. Like, it sounds like paper. Paper Girls should be able yeah, to Yeah, I mean, Paper Girls like, do just better. did new things. And great. Mm. Like, sure, they there's a sort of 80s aesthetic. The kids are from 1980s before they get time-traveled. But other than that, like, they're just doing a totally different thing. It's just a different story. Mm. And, of course, you know, Stranger Things volumes 1, 2, 3. It, it's mm. kind of always the same story. There's the upside mm. down and then you're fighting against the upside down and then there's some D&D and 80s metal references. Yeah. And they just, they keep finding out, they go, oh, we, here's the bad guy. And the next one, it's like, oh, we thought that guy was the bad guy. They're controlled by a and bigger, bad, bigger guy. bad guy. And, and then you're like, well, actually, it turned out there was this guy was behind all of it all along. And you're like, okay, it's just, you've just said plus one. All yeah. I heard was plus yeah. one. Oh, uh, you thought that was hard. We just added 20% more, more hit points and gave him a higher Thaco at lower Thaco, <laughs> lower Thaco. And and now you have to fight him. Like, okay, great. Yeah. Anyway, I mean, I, and it's fine. Was, it's entertaining to watch. But it's for fine. Paper Girls, I was like <laughs> on edge of my seat. Like, where is this going? This is the weirdest thing I've ever seen. I love it. Uh, Everyone should now go watch Paper Girls. Yeah, and then read the graphic novels. Anywho, wasn't my second book. So my other my other book choice uh, for the week is yes, an yes. oldie but a goodie. So I have picked Empire of the Ants, or perhaps I mm-hmm. should call it La Saga des Fourmis because it is originally written in French by Bernard Weber in the 90, well I guess he might have written it in the 80s it was published in 1991 so this is good year yeah good year vintage. <laughs> i think Jurassic Park was was pretty close to to around then maybe 1991 no, no, yeah no Jurassic Park the movie came out later i'm saying the book i think was like 89 oh, yes. 90 something like that yes so, yes yeah. good good time for sort of i don't know not exactly mainstream sci-fi but like stephen king was big you know mm. so it's it's cool all right so yeah. terminator, terminator 2 came out in 91 terminator 2 so the movie the, ter- right movie, movie right. the movie the movie yes that's right yes yes that's right yes okay. that's right. Sorry, it's a movie but, but i just want to point out that's a, yeah, that's good sci-fi yeah that so is good sci-fi a pretty seminal sci-fi. yeah absolutely with the so. thumb <laughs> Anyway, yes, that's right. That's what Sean. You know, in the book, I sort of it's a book point. I wonder when it put. I read the novelization, which is based on the original script. So you know, and that sounds very really strange. Mm. And it's actually really interesting because you get the inner lives of certain characters uh-huh. and and people, and that's really odd. It's like a character, and he gets um the 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 T one thousand, the metal liquid metal one, kills a truck driver and throws him out of the cab, sort of thing, stabs him. And then you get a whole story about this. He's actually through the story, mm-hmm. seeing different things happen randomly driving. Oh, around. what the truck driver? And then, yes, like a whole yes. And, and, oh. and, 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 and he just keeps coming back to him, where he's like, he's like trucking around America, and he keeps finding these weird. He just happens to be in the right, wrong oh. place at the wrong time. But he's also got this weird, tragic thing. He's cheating on his wife with people on the road. <laughs> 
and then and so the and you kind of go i don't know if it gives him a reason to murder him but it, and so when he when he finally gets stabbed to death by the t-1000 then he's actually going i wish i'd been a better person oh. like i wish i wish i could have told my wife that i wish i could have been told what i'd done and i wish that you know that and you're like oh my god like oh. what is going on I'm here crying. this is whole you're crying yeah, it's like, crying. This, this, some, <laughs> this character's got nothing to do with anything i'm like i care about but the reason i brought it up beyond that was at one at they when they there's the part with the chip and they take his like mm, they, that they, was cut right that's they, in they the take, director's thingy that's a, yeah. yes, right. And they, they flick his chip and it's in the story, the original mm. story. And so they actually make him, they turn him from just taking, like he can now take input and make choices. Yeah, so, he can grow. so when he dies in the movie, mm. he's actually technically sentient at mm. that point because he can make choices. He's not under the programming of anything. Mm. He's making, it's, well, beyond we're all programmed by our biology slash mechanical nature, or whatever. But that makes it even worse when you go, <laughs> he chose to die for, it wasn't like he was programmed to die for John Connor. At the end, it, it, it makes a choice to die yeah. and destroy itself for John Connor. And you go, oh, that hits a bit harder. So It's a good movie. It's a good movie, Greg, but it's not what I'm going to talk about. <laughs> sorry, I'm so sorry. So, side, side, note, note. side note. Also go watch Terminator 2 if somehow yes. you oh. manage to avoid yes. that. Uh, and don't watch any of the others, just Terminator uh, 2. Terminator 1's all right. Oh, Terminator, sorry. Yes, Terminator 1, Terminator 2. Yeah. But that's it. I mean, to stop that and go. watch Terminator and then 2 just without say, having seen Terminator 1 might be somewhat confusing. But I suppose it's... It's sort of explained at the beginning, isn't it? Yeah. 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 yeah but the others are just, just money-making garbage. They never made any more, as yeah, far as I'm aware. That's like they never, never made any further Matrix movies. It's just... No, no, no. It's just how it is. It's just the Matrix. Yeah, that's it's a great, great movie. Anywho, this is a good book. And actually, there are, there are sequels to this book that I can't read because they're only in French, as far as I can tell. Oh. So this book was translated because uh, it was just this absolute... Dr. Natasha uh, Hurley Walker, you're telling me you have not just gone and oh, learned French to read a book. What are you doing? Tout le, le livre uh, dans le temps <laughs> que je 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 uh, j'ai. Mm, I'm not sure if you have time in French, but anyway, it's very hard to read a book in French when I'm also working a lot. Anyway, I can read. Can speak a little bit of French. All right. Also, subject matter, right? Like I can I can buy a baguette and I can mm-hmm. I can mm-hmm. get it. Ask yeah, where the toilet is and and what time do I check out? But. Trying to understand the, the empire of the ants <laughs> is a little bit tricky. Don't don't do flight of the concords, or I will start laughing. <laughs> oh boy, good. <laughs> anyway, apologies to all French listeners. So, empire of the ants is. I, I read this when I was a kid, right? So I was, I was born in the eighties. So I must have been maybe eight or something when I read this. Maybe nine. Um, so old, uh, <laughs> ancient. Um, Says the, says the man who potentially could be older. Yeah, <laughs> the listeners older. can't tell because we're not making a video recording. My magic yeah. voice. Ooh. Oh, where were we? Stop distracting me with your magic voice. All right. Right. So, <laughs> all right. So, so I, I would have been quite formative years, I think, right? So I'm not saying that this book is uh, like a paragon of literature. All right. This is uh, of the time that we were just talking about, Terminator 2, Jurassic Park. This is a time when people are writing science fiction in an accessible way for people to read in airports with lots of sort of thrills and turns and uh, excitement. And then, you know, it may, may may kind of boil down to very little. But this book is very weird. It's not just mm. the fact that it's French or that it does add a certain sort of a different kind of uh, perhaps narrative structure and vibe to the story. It's also that it is largely told from the perspective of three ants and a collection of humans who are all perhaps not the most competent humans for reasons that become explained. So what happens? All right. A guy, Jonathan, I think it almost doesn't matter what the human's name is. (laughs) His uncle dies and leaves him a flat in a, a town, like on the outskirts of a town. And the flat used to have like a monastery beneath it that had an escape route that goes out into like a forest. So like it's got this big cellar underneath the flat and his uncle dies and he just gets like the the solicitor gives him the will and a note saying never go into the cellar. Okay, fine. So he gets this house. It doesn't want to go into the cellar. He just he's a locksmith. So he puts a lock on it and, and his wife and his kid, he's like, I've been told we should never go into the cellar. Okay, fine. Mm -hmm. At the same time, you're being told a story from the perspective of an anthill, which you can kind of work out eventually is quite nearby. 
and all these sorts of struggles are going on, which I, as a kid, was like really fascinated to read about. Like there's there's other ants from other species nearby and then they're having a lot of wars with each other. They've got mm. sort of primitive technologies. They cover themselves in snail slime to fend off the acid from the other attackers. They they have they use their antennas to talk to each other and they'll co- coordinate on 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 mass to like deliver pincer blows to the enemy and things like this. There's all this kind of oh I didn't know ants were so coordinated. Interesting. And I guess the backdrop of this, which I find quite fascinating, and I had no idea as a kid was that it's set about now and climate change has kicked in. So they, people oh. are constantly commenting on how warm the summers are nowadays. And isn't it funny <laughs> how we're not, we didn't have the rains. And it, I did yeah. not realise in 1991 that people were writing near fiction sci-fi that was set, you know, during the era of climate change. And they, they explicitly reference it sort of later in the book. And I it just went over my head as a little kid. But now I'm like, oh, my God, that was prescient. So the, the reason I bring up climate change is because it's changing the ants' pattern. So new ants are coming in from Africa and they're more able to cope with the higher temperatures. And so the, the French ants are kind of under siege. So you have this strange setup with humans that can't go into the cellar and these ants. You're like, what am I reading? And the humans sort of seem kind of boring. Like they're just like humans. Yeah. They can't go into the cellar. And the ants seem really fascinating. But also, where is the story going? So over the course of the book, they kind of ratchet up the tension where basically people start going missing. They go into the cellar. They never come out again. Oh, uh-huh. First the dog, then the kid, then, then the husband, then the wife, then the kid. Then, like, police officers. People keep going into the cellar and they do not come out. And the ants mm. seem to be getting aware that actually their world is not their world, that there might be this other force. Because from the point of view of ants, like, they're mostly concerned about their own anthill. Mm. Mm-hmm. But they start realising that there's some inexplicable events. They discover a road. They discover a golf course. They discover a strange weapon that can wipe out whole armies in one footprint. <laughs> right, from their point of view, it just comes out of nowhere. <laughs> Yes. So the yeah. human and the ant worlds start to collide. And it, I mean, this is a mild spoiler, but it's, I think it's, it's, it's brought up relatively early on that the uncle was an expert in ants and had been working on communicating with the ants. Oh, and so as the story sort of unfolds, you, you kind of unpick what happened with the uncle's research. Why did he die? It wasn't a natural causes. Yeah. <laughs> and yes. what the hell is happening with these ants? And basically you, you are somehow that he manages to make a book which is largely from the perspective of some ants into this thriller where you're kind of like, oh my God, the fate of the human world versus the ant world is actually at stake. And because of the way that the ants work, because they're a hive mind, any individual ant doesn't really know what they're participating in. But the mm. scope and the implications of the ants realizing that they are not in control of the world like they thought they were is quite dramatic, right? Mm. So I somehow this very, very thought-provoking book that acts as a thriller, even though as I'm describing it and I'm saying, and then they go into the cellar and they don't come out again, it sounds a bit silly, yeah. but it's actually quite yeah, yeah. fun to read and exciting. And you learn a lot about ants and then you learn <laughs> to be really terrified of ants. <laughs> So, as we should as we be, because uh, there are yeah. more ants than us by weight and by number, oh, yeah. by a considerable yes. margin, yeah. and they have, I guess, a, a sort of a better way of adapting to the long-term changes that we've induced on the planet than we do. So it's still relevant today, which I was surprised when I was rereading it for book club. I was like, "Hi, didn't notice climate change. Ha, huh, I didn't really that's, think about these right. implications." Yeah, that's- yeah. yeah, I mean, that's all. This has been talked about. I mean, climate change has been talked about for since eighteen, I think it was eighteen seventy or something. Someone talked mm. about climate change on top of, was measuring temperatures on top of a roof, and was like, "Wait, it's all going up, everyone! Like this is happening. We should do something." Like back in the eighteen seventies or nineties. Yeah, they were like, like "Maybe we should stop burning coal because over the very yes. long term, this could be a problem." Yes, exactly. Yes, and then people been talking about a long mm. time. I this, I feel like I'm. Total noob, noob, wrong word, but yes, uh, Philistine is what I'm looking for. There it is. Because in the, obviously, or maybe in the 
not very well received and rightly so ant-man and the wasp quantumania uh, the latest marvel uh-huh. film there's a there's there are ants in that because ant-man yeah and uh, hank pym talks to ants and that's a, like the big joke and then ants get pulled into the same sub-universe they're in like the quantum uh, quantum universe quantum realm in. really pisses me off <laughs> but, uh, yeah well the, look it's like magic one realm yeah. it's fine and but the ants spoilers for this, this terrible movie but the ants in that they they because of the quantum difference they actually got there earlier so they actually had a whole time to develop a civilization uh-huh. so when they turn up deus ex machina ants right. they're in like tanks and firing guns and you're like what's going and it was like ah oh, the ants have been here for a million years and evolved into these hyper creatures I'm not saying is what happens in your story, mm. but the high idea of ants becoming aware and going, wait, hang on, hang a, minute. on a minute, developing, developing. Slightly. Yeah, and I think I think that's just my first experience with the idea of a non-human intelligence that would absolutely have no sympathy or empathy for us whatsoever, <laughs> and it wouldn't even no. occur to them that that was even a thing to extend. I mean, the ants in the mm. story give themselves willingly if they if they think that their hive is gonna be in trouble, if they think the queen might be in danger, they just sacrifice themselves without a second thought because they're really part of a bigger organism. The created good. Yeah, but but not in a way that they could be angsty about. It's physically not mm. in their nature. And mm. so I guess there's also this question of like moral worth here. Like mm. we think of ourselves as important, a human life as important, but we would exterminate an anthill without a second thought. Mm. Even though these ants, they can sort of trace their lineage back to pre-humans. So, Mm. I don't know, it was just sort of fascinating to contemplate this kind of, I guess it comes a bit back to blindsight again, the hive itself is not conscious, (laughs) and none of the ants Mm -hmm. themselves are truly conscious. But Mm. there is a collective intelligence there that is totally merciless, and but not in a kind of... Like, you know, when a human is merciless, it's because they are constraining their empathy. They are putting it down and they're saying, no, I, I'm going to do this course of action instead. There's no instead mm-hmm. with ants. They're just a different kind of intelligence. They don't see the world like that. And that uh, reading yeah. that as a nine-year-old was just mind-blowing, you know, just like, <laughs> wait a minute. They can't. It's not a choice. It's not, it's not, like, it's not like Klingons. They're not like, oh, I could, I'm going to have to restrain my manly warrior tendencies for this stupid ritual. They literally can't. They're just a different intelligence. So it's where they are. There'd be no, there'd be no meeting halfway. Well, I say that now. The moment I said that, I felt that felt wrong because there would still be things between ants and us that we would be, if, if ants were able to communicate with us, we'd communicate with them that we'd be able to. There'll be points of yeah, commonality. Be points that, of commonality. We, 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 there's still, there are still inputs and outputs yeah. and there is still like we need to survive. So we need like food and shelter and, and stuff. They are, so there's some, yeah. something about And that. in the book, they are inventive, perhaps a little bit more inventive than in, they are in reality in terms of the technologies. But they're basic, you know, one of the big questions is what would happen if you started doing technology exchange with ants? Maybe that wouldn't end super well for the human race yeah. once they have you know the wheel and gunpowder <laughs> things like that yes very it sounds like the opposite i haven't oh, no, it's just a very quick this is a little pun but forgive me footnote about the climate change discussion it was just to mention you know how people knew about climate change i just wanted to point out the crucial role of eunice newton foot who was the female scientist who was the first person who worked out that carbon dioxide, if you have increased levels of carbon dioxide, it traps heat. So it wasn't mm-hmm. so much the long-term prediction of climate change, but just the the physical mechanism by which that happens. Uh, she discovered that. So yes. footnote, Julie, inserted. Yes, so footnote, well, she, she basically, she pointed out that this would, this could affect climate. But I don't know beyond that. Like, I don't know with, about the connection to coal and so forth. But she worked it out with, you know, doing chemistry very cool. oh, we were talking about ants though yes so with the ants with the idea of ants it's almost it sounds almost like the opposite and i think that's what threw me pleasantly in a way during we talked before for children of mm. time and, and the, the spiders in that and when they finally meet their humans mm. the humans turn up to go right we're here to mess everything up and, <laughs> and the spiders are like kicking in the doors and coming through the windows and you know and, and you kind of go oh this is going to end badly if you have a and a hyper intelligent, well, intelligent as a person, maybe more so 
technologically advanced meter long spider, mm. uh, you know, with a body meter long, like that's going to be bad news. And well, we spoilers again, but it's not. Mm. It's actually they're quite empathetic things in the mm. end at that point. Anyway, they're not here to kill us. They're here to, well, yeah, they're trying to not be killed. You know, there's a different thing going on. Yeah. There. This sounds like the opposite of that, where you'd go, what happens if it didn't have a happy ending of technology leads to everyone being lovely and Well, wonderful? I mean, mild spoilers, uh, <laughs> but I, I have to say it because it's just so hilarious. It has a French ending. You know, if you've ever watched a, an art house French movie and it, it just goes, <laughs> fin, at the end, and you're like, wait, are you, are you sure, though? I feel like there should have been several more scenes where yes, I find out what okay. happens. So it does just kind of end, but it is the first of a trilogy, and as I say, I haven't managed to track down any English translations of the second and third until I have enough time in my life to learn enough French to get my all the way through a book. Can we can we just say <laughs> Chat GPT translate this into English, oh please? She probably. I know. Is that, is that, is, have I just broken several laws. I'm not too sure. Maybe probably. I just listened to a Cory Doctorow interview where I'm pretty sure he said that was illegal. A lot of things are illegal now. Yeah. He's, he's great. It's only legal if you get caught. Oh, if <laughs> <laughs> only if you like, would one... espouse criminal action on, like, say, a publicly available media channel for an EG podcast. Well, so, so, look, I'm, I'm, just, I'm not saying someone should do that. They should definitely not do that. I have no You're idea. You're just saying it's possible. I'm just, I'm just asking questions. I'm just asking <laughs> oh, questions. That's what we do on this podcast. Oh. Oh. <laughs> I feel I feel dirty. Just yeah, I know. Heavily oh, implying no. various dog whistles. So anyway, yeah, let's not mm, do that. Yeah, not great. I look. Thank you very much for chatting about animals and in sci-fi. I it's I I do love the fact that I'm wrong. My hypothesis seems to be wrong that you've ac- actively got out of your way to pick things which weren't just like humans in fuzzy suits. I mean, the so universe well picked that first book for me. <laughs> I, it yes. was just incredible that I I don't think I even knew that this podcast was coming up, but I. <laughs> I read what I want to read because I mm. like to relax and sometimes learn things. So I usually alternate fiction mm. and nonfiction. And at that moment, I was just scrolling through the ebook library, which means if you're in WA and you have access to the State Library of WA on your ebook reader, you could go check out the animals in that country right now. This is probably not got that's, a, that's a wait list. Or maybe it will have a wait list after this podcast. I was thinking about animals. <laughs> I was thinking about animals and why sci-fi they kind of work. And you know, it's the idea of. I think it comes down to. We said before, you can put, you can pick and choose what you want to talk about on the human society in one way. That's one version of it, and you can focus on it without. You can jettison everything mm. else, and you go. I don't want to talk about this other part. I just want to focus on this part of the human condition, mm. and but and and you go. Oh, what's well, an animal? It makes sense. Otherwise, it wouldn't make much more sense. Or the other side is as in the almost the opposite of that going it's inhuman and therefore we can't it doesn't relate to a human being what would that what would that look like yeah so you can sort of play the closest aliens animals yes they're the closest aliens exactly and i was thinking maybe think about this as well there's um there's a company in america called loyal and they're trying to make dogs live healthier and happier lives Oh, good. Engineering and I thought this might be that company that will uh, look after your pets after you get raptured, because there's a company in the US oh, no. that does that as well. <laughs> they, they've got a lot of a lot of signups just before the oh, year, no. year, two, year 2000 and 2012, and any time that there's this <laughs> stupid number in the calendar that makes people go all numerology on us. Anyway, not that company. Yes. Sorry. No, not that company. No, no, no. This, this, this company is the whole idea is to try and make dogs live for a longer time, healthier mm. lives and longer time. So it's, it's longevity through, through pharmacology, basically. Mm. And, and it was really interesting. I, I was trying to work out why, you know, why you don't want dogs to live forever. But of course, but no one can say no. If I said, hey, I want a million dollars startup money to go develop a thing for humans to live for double their time and have blah, blah, blah. Everyone goes, yeah, but what about the billionaires who'll uh, take over the world forever? Mm. And which is, look, all good points. Like, yeah, absolutely. But it's very hard to say no to a like your fuzzy friend mm. who's like your best 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 pal. You of course would want more time with that that creature. You know, you make a bond, and it's one of the what movie was that in that the dogs and cats 
the whole job is to teach you how to deal with heartbreak. Oh, uh, I mean, I'm thinking of all dogs go to heaven, but that's just because I saw that and it broke my heart when I was a little kid. <laughs> Don Blue. I can't, I can't remember what movie this came from, but that was but it wasn't even but the point of the movie. It was just a line in the movie about a dogs and cats' job is just to te- teach you oh. how to deal with heartbreak. Oh. And, 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 and that's, and that's, it's absolutely mm. true. Like you, you kind of go, I love this thing in, intensely and, and look after it. And then at the end, it will pass away much, well, unless you're older and unlucky, you will, you'll have to deal with it. It's end of its life. And so extending its life is, I don't see anyone saying no, mm. but I can't work out. When I thought about it, I was like, oh, of course we want to do this. And then I thought to myself, but what you can do for dogs, surely it's, it can't be that big a step to start doing it. For people. I love how as physicists, we can just wildly extrapolate. Oh, of course, uh, of course. I mean, if it works on mice, right, then... Well, there's, there's a famous, <laughs> exactly. there's a famous Twitter. Exactly. Yes, yes, there's there is. Twitter. Yes. Uh, but and I'm not, I'm not saying it's just a gender up and up, but it, I, I don't know this for certain, mm. but I would be, I feel that someone went, I want to work on longevity drugs for humans. Mm. And someone went, we can't ethically, we're not going to, they'll kick our ass. We're not going to get money for this. And someone went, how about that dogs? Went, yes, yes. Yeah. And I'm, I'm not, it's not for the wrong reasons. Just, mm. I think it's just an easier sell to get people to, to, to love your dog or cat for longer. Yeah. I mean, especially sort of certainly in a, in a healthy mm. way, obviously. Like if, if the dog yes. is on life support and you're coming in to visit it <laughs> and there's a little beep, beep, beep as they're keeping oh. the dog alive, you might think this mm. isn't very kind to the dog. But if the dog just gets five more years of running around and playing fetch with its favorite humans, then, oh. Why, how right. could you say no to we, that? Yeah, exactly. So yes, I think I think animals let us let us explore things that we would not allow ourselves to explore otherwise. Yeah, um, there's ethical yes. quandaries that we can end up with. It's that that liminal space between animate and inanimate, between sentient mm. and you know not intelligent at all. And I guess it gives you this sort of in, interesting existential feeling, doesn't it? That where it's a continuum all the way down and we're not at the mm. pinnacle there's just a sort of different different ways of seeing the world and we happen to have got into a little tiny little local minimum or local maximum depending on the way you look at it where we can hold things like <laughs> mathematics and, and language in our mm. heads but that that doesn't make it the only way to see the world and if you just mm. roll the dice again which give it give it 200 million years the dice will get rolled again <laughs> yeah it'll be interesting to see what planet earth comes up we- with Exactly. And now that we've blown everyone's brains, I think it's time to end this conversation. Thank you once again, Dr. Natasha Lee Walker, for coming and chatting all these amazing books with us. Uh, yes, we look forward to talking to you again in the next book club. Love to. Thanks, Greg.